Welcome to another episode of the Case Conley Podcast. It's great to be back. Was able to spend a week down on the beach in Alabama. Alabama, it was it was lovely. Needed the little break, great reset, but we saw some NBA series ends. The Western Conference Finals are set. We have the Los Angeles Lakers taking on the Denver Nuggets in the West. And in the East, we have the Miami Heat taking on the Boston Celtics. And Taking a look at the Heat Knicks series, we'll start with and the one consistency that I really just want to make clear about this series is that one team simply just wanted it more than the other team. And it was really weird because, especially in the first series, Knicks Cavs, it was kind of the other way around. The Cavs didn't get the 50 50 balls, weren't grinding, weren't physical. And the Knicks kind of just punked them and bullied them. And in this series, it was the complete opposite. The Miami Heat just punked the Knicks. And, I mean, shout out to Jalen Brunson. He was fantastic for all the series with the ankle injury. Still only player. I believe he's the only player to put 20-plus points up at every game this postseason. Very impressive from Jalen Brunson. He was fantastic, and he was the reason why they won a couple games. And uh, when I really look at this Knicks team... They just can't shoot. It's very simple. It, it, they, they can't shoot the basketball. And when you have a lineup like they had, and obviously Emmanuel quickly being out really affected that too a little bit to the point as he might have been one of their best shooters on the roster. They just couldn't shoot. And, and that's really what made them lose the game. I mean, they were shooting around 28% around every single game. It just wasn't good enough. And Jalen Brunson was most of all that. Uh, I think that's the one thing that the Knicks, if they want to do, if they want to be successful, I think they have a decent core here. And I really like some of the bench guys. I, I think Josh Hart, one of the most impactful players in the league. When he plays, he's very impactful, Is whether it's rebounding the ball, whether it's defense, whether it's when he makes some big shots. He can kind of do it all. Uh, obviously, you have Jalen Brunson and you know Julius Randle. I'm not the biggest fan of Julius Randle. I think just the way he plays, it's not very efficient. It's just strange. I've never been a Julius Randle fan, but I think he is a good player. He is he is a very good basketball player. I would like to see him tweak his game a little bit. He takes a lot of weird shots. He takes a lot of four shots. He, he relies on left hand so much that I think if they can tweak his game and just make him play differently, I think it can be really impactful. I'm not the biggest fan of R.J. Barrett. He's not a great shooter, but he takes a lot of shots. He was one for 10 in game six in the series loss. But the youth is there to just develop his game differently. And this is where I find the issue, and they will never get through this with Tom Thibodeau because he will not develop these guys. Why, when I, when I look at guys and I see Mike Budenholzer just fired by the Bucs, that's a perfect fit for this New York Knicks team. I think Budenholzer would be a perfect fit for this team. Develop some of these young players. You got Obi Toppin. I really like guys like Miles McBride. I think he has a potential. I, I even think Isaiah Hartenstein is a very solid, viable bench center. 
Mitchell Robinson has been fantastic. He was one of the, the the bright points of being physical and getting rebounds, especially in this series, as he was one of the only ones that really did it. But they need they need more, and they obviously need to commit some money. Quentin Grimes is not good enough to be a starting player in the league. It's just kind of that simple. They need some more depth. They need some development. I don't think Tom Thibodeau is going to do that. On the other hand, Miami Heat, Eric Spolstra might be coach of the year, in my opinion, especially coach of the playoffs. I mean, he has led this team, and they can't shoot. So what did he do? They played a matchup 2-3 zone, which was very efficient, didn't allow Julius Randle to get into the soft spots of that zone, especially him, who would take advantage of that. Fantastic. The balls to play Duncan Robinson, bring him off the bench in some of these games, especially with the Tyler Hero injury. And he's played well for the most part. He had a couple bad games, but he's had a couple big games. It's this what he's going to do as a volume shooter off the bench. I think using Caleb Martin, especially in the role of guarding Jalen Brunson, putting a little extra length, it made Brunson work a lot. And especially when you saw the big plays and the turnovers at the end of some of these games, Brunson was doing too much. Yeah, he might not have had help. It was great defense, and they put length on him, which I think was a very important thing. The way that he's coached, he's almost been flawless this entire postseason. Obviously, when you have Jimmy Butler, who might be a top five player in this playoffs, one of the best playoff performers I've ever seen, that's going to help you. Bam Adebayo's had a big couple big games. It's just been the the, uh, the the glue guys has really won a couple series from them. Kyle Lowry has absolutely won them a few games. And if you just watch the games, he makes game-winning plays. The issue with Kyle Lowry is he's got some hip injuries. He's got some knee injuries. I don't know if you can consistently get 30 minutes out of him, but you're going to get a solid 20, 25 to maybe 30, 20, 25, maybe 30 minutes. And they're going to be great winning minutes. They they limited his minutes a little bit during the regular season, which was smart. Just to get to this point, he's been fast, fantastic. He's been one reason why they're making winning plays. Similarly, Kevin Love. Kevin Love only plays about 16, 20, at the max 25 minutes a game. But he's been fantastic. They have these guys who know how to win. And when you have that with Jimmy Butler, who's another guy who knows how to win, it's very important. It's just very important to have guys that know how to win. And that's what they're developing down in Miami. And it's what Pat Riley and what's Eric Spolstra's done their entire career there. So I think, obviously, Miami, eight seed playing game, lost the first playing game, didn't even know if they made the playoffs, shocking the Bucks now beating the Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals. But a great run by Miami. They have some decisions to make because I think they can be really good. I think they're one piece away. So it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, Pat Riley's not afraid to go out there and make that one piece a reality. So they're a team that I'm very interested, especially when you look at the Toronto sweepstakes with all those Toronto players, like OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, who I think are going to be on the trade market. This summer, very crucial. It's just very important. And I think he's a, he is a guy that will go out and make some of those deals that other guys will make. In the other Eastern Conference, Boston Celtics come back from down 3-2 to two to knock off the Philadelphia 76ers. Jason Tatum set a Game 7 record with 51 points, one of the best Game 7 performances in any sport that we've ever seen, 17-28. to 28. Six of 10 from threes, 51 points, 13 rebounds. He was fantastic. And the one consistency when I look at this self, this Sixers team is that Joel Embiid has just not been good enough. And, and I know that there's a lot of 
a lot of people have been talking about James Harden. And yeah, James Harden hasn't been great in this postseason. He hasn't been. But when you're a number two option on a team, your number two option on a team, you have to win games. He single-handedly won two games for the 76ers. Single-handedly by himself. Like, I, I don't want you to forget that. He had 45 in game one, and they stole game one. And then in game four, in overtime, he had 42, nine, and eight. And he was efficient. It was 16 to 23. It was, it was two really good performances. Yeah, he, had, he wasn't great kind of between them. He, he did struggle to shoot, especially in game two and three. Obviously, game six and seven, he really struggled shooting the ball. But he was fantastic those two games. You need your number two guy to win you two games. And if you do that, you're going to win a lot of playoff series. I, th- I thought James Harden did his job, to be frank with you. My issue is Joel Embiid. This guy's the MVP. He wasn't my MVP. I thought Nicole Jokic was the MVP, and he's showing it in this postseason. But, I mean, he won. He, he helped win game four. He had 34. It was a great performance in that one. But he still didn't shoot great. Like, he only shot 42% in the conference finals. Like, that, that, that is worrisome. Saying that he shot 55% in the regular season. And I know everyone's going to look at the points, and I've seen he shot great from the free throw line. That's just what he does. But your best player is 5 of 18 in Game 7. The MVP, best player in the league, supposedly, goes 9 of 19 for 26 and 10 in Game 6. He shot four shots in game two. Like, he didn't do enough. It's that simple. Uh, he, In my opinion, he's the reason why the 76ers lost. He just wasn't good enough. And we saw what happened when Jason Tatum obviously had his games. I mean, when a star has his games, they win the games. He had 51 and went out and won the game. He struggled. He was horrible in game six. When it mattered, he hit four threes, and they won the game. Joel Embiid just doesn't do that. I think that's the issue more than anything with this team, is Joel Embiid has, has to be better. And you're paying a lot of money to guys like Tobias Harris. A lot of money to guys like Tobias Harris. I don't have the exact money amount, but you're paying $20-plus million a year for a guy to average six points, three rebounds, and one assist. In a conference semifinals. That's where the, some of the issues are. Or excuse me, that was PJ Tucker, excuse me. Which PJ Tucker was fine. But I mean, Tobias Harris, you're paying this guy 20 plus million dollars a year, score 12 and 6. I mean, no, that's not. You need more. I think Tyrese Maxey was good. He's a young player. He's going to have his struggles in the postseason. It's just what's going to happen. I see this more as a Joel Embiid issue and a Doc Rivers issue. As Doc Rivers, once again, he's lost 33 times. He's 14 and 33 in games where they can win a series. That's horrible. That's not good enough. And that's the most by most losses by far against anybody else. I was surprised he wasn't fired within an hour of the game, to be completely honest with you. That's what I thought was going to happen. But people are going to point fingers, and the number one main guy is going to be James Harden. Yeah, James Harden wasn't good in a couple games. He was really bad, especially game seven. He was really bad. He won you two games, like by himself. Carried two games. 
And as a number two option, people are even saying he was a number three option. He's a third best player on the team. I mean, he did more than enough. And people, he, he took pay cuts to stay here to add some of the guys. To add guys like Daniel House, who Doc Rivers didn't even play, really. I mean, I don't see him as the issue. I see more as Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers the issue. It's kind of period, end of story. And I, they choked the series. And I knew as soon as they lost game six, I, I bet Boston to win by 10 plus points because I knew that it was just going to be a blowout because they were, they were gone. And you heard what Embiid said, obviously, after game six, he can touch the ball. Well, then go get the ball. You're the MVP. Nikola Jokic doesn't just not get the ball. Nikola Jokic goes and takes the ball. It's just what he does. So I, I think more than anything, it's disappointing from Joel Embiid. That, that's what it really comes down to. So setting up that matchup, I think the Celtics have too much talent for the Heat. I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat maybe steal a couple games, but overall, I think this Boston team just has too much talent. But there's nobody that I want to go against. I, I don't want to doubt Miami because Miami is good enough. But my official prediction, I'm going to give the Boston Celtics in six games. I think Jimmy Butler, guys like Kyle Lowry, they'll do enough to win a couple games. I think Butler will probably win one completely by himself. But I think it's just too much. I, this Boston team has been very inconsistent, especially during this postseason. So we'll see if they can kind of get that consistency back. But I think Boston at home, obviously, they need to get those first two. I see Boston and out in the wild, wild west. LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. Nobody thought that it could be done, but it was done. As they took down the Golden State Warriors in six games, I picked this exact matchup, Denver and Los Angeles, in my preview. And LeBron James is just better. And they've had some role players step up. And the one thing I, I really want to talk about this Golden State team first is that this narrative, especially Steve Kerr tried to put after game six, like that this team wasn't good enough. It's just completely just false. That's just kind of coping to me. And that's just trying to put a blame on nobody, which kind of upset me. They were good enough. You were the defending champions and you didn't make many moves. I mean, you had pretty much the exact same team that you won a championship with. So I don't know how that means you're not good enough. I mean, Seth Curry was obviously fantastic. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball well, but he showed in the series why he's one of the greatest point guards ever, in my opinion. I think he was fantastic on the ball, forced to be on the ball. I mean, with this postseason in general, he did struggle to shoot, and, and the Warriors' whole team really struggled to shoot in most of the game. I, I give that to less credit about Golden State not being good enough and more credit to the Los Angeles Lakers who just played fantastic defense. Uh, people say that the big three are washed. Well, I, I don't think Seth Curry is washed. I don't think Draymond Green's washed. I thought Draymond, Green, Draymond had a couple of great performances. I think more than anybody, the person that we really should be looking at is Clay Thompson. He obviously shot 38% from three, which from his standards isn't bad, but 34% from the field. He had 25 and 30 in the first two games and 15, 9, 10, and 8. That's kind of an issue. And the other issue was Jordan Poole kind of invisible. Not kind of, was invisible. Including a zero in the game four loss. He just wasn't good. and He just didn't step up and he just didn't play well. And I think it's some credit to the defense. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo was great. Golden State's in this kind of tough spot because... They have some veterans and they have some young guys, but they have to commit to one or the other. 
Moses Moody didn't play a lot in some of these postseason. He didn't even play in a couple of the postseason games. Johnson Kaminga didn't play in a lot of the postseason games. Those are really good young players. And I feel like they're wasting them. Golden State needs to sit down, and Bob Myers and Steve Kerr and Steph Curry, they need to sit down and say, are we going to give it all good go? And we're going to make a really big push these next three years? Or are we just going to see what happens and keep our youth? Because there's no point in having guys like Jonathan Kuminga, Moses Moody, Jordan Poole, who struggled not play or not play well. If you're going to try to win, go out and get some veterans that are good enough. And you have great, those are great trade commodities. Who doesn't want Moses Moody who's 20 years old and played in two huge playoffs and played huge minutes in both of them. Jordan Poole, we've seen his potential. We've seen what he can do. He's just obviously had the whole Draymond Green situation earlier in the season, before the season, and obviously kind of fell off in this postseason. And Johnson Kamenga, you just haven't seen enough of. I mean, they, they, tr- they kind of try to do it with Wiseman, but really all he did was bring in Gary Payton, and he, he didn't do anything really in this series to help you. He, he was pretty big in the first series against Sacramento, but this series he was kind of just a role guy, which you turned your number one player, number one pick in the draft into a role guy, which what that is. They just need to go out there and they seem to decide if they're going to win. I like Kevon Looney. I think Kevon Looney's a really good player. The issue is you can't have only Kevon Looney and only Draymond Green as your two options at the center position. You need someone who can spread the floor and shoot. You need some, some scoring off the bench. They've always had that. They've had that every time they made a run. Whether it was Mo Spates, whether it was Festus Azili, whether it was Zaza Pachulia, David Lee, Andrew Bogut, DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, the list goes on and on and on with all these bigs that they've played with. It's just... This year, they had nobody. It was Kevon Looney and Draymond Green. And it really struggled to space the floor. And that was a huge, huge thing that the Lakers used to their advantage. Because why guard them? Focus on the other guys who are actually going to shoot the threes. So uh, Golden State is in a very difficult position. This offseason is so important for them. So crucial. And honestly, Golden, uh, Los Angeles Lakers... They did what needed to be done. LeBron James was great in game six. He was great for pretty much the whole series. Anthony Davis found a little bit more consistency, which was great to see. Had guys like Austin Reeves step up. Had guys like D'Angelo Russell step up in certain games. Hachimura, obviously Lonnie Walker. He's good for the Lakers. I think the question with the Lakers was, can the role players step up? And the role players have more than stepped up. So obviously the key is going to be, you know you're going to get LeBron. You don't know what you're going to get from AD. You need AD to play well. You need these role players to step up. And the role players have stepped up this entire postseason, and I think it'll continue to happen. In the other Western Conference matchup, it was Denver Nuggets against the Phoenix Suns, and the Denver Nuggets absolutely smashed the Suns by 25, and it felt like it was 50 in Game 6 to win 4-2, and the Nuggets were my pick to win the title, and this is exactly why. They're just the best lineup. They're just the best team in the league. Starting-wise, starting, they have the best starting lineup in the league. They have a solid three to four guys on that bench who could really play big minutes on any other team. Guys like Bruce Brown. Guys like Christian Brown. I mean, we saw Reggie Jackson not even play. Reggie Jackson doesn't even play. Yeah, he was starting on the Clippers this year. Jeff Green has played some good minutes for them. So, obviously, it was a great performance. And this, you can't blame Devin Booker. Yeah, he struggled a lot, 12 points in that final game. But Devin Booker did so much. 
in this postseason. You really, it would be almost unfair to blame him. I mean, averaging 30, shot 56% from the field in this round, 60% in the first round, which is just absolutely outrageous to think about the shots that he was taking. He was fantastic. Kevin Durant was just disappointing. And the stat line looked a little bit better, but he was one of eight in the first half. He struggled. The one thing that makes Kevin Durant special is his efficiency. That's the one thing that makes Kevin Durant, when we talk about how great Kevin Durant is, it's because he's one of the most efficient players we've ever seen at seven feet tall, and the shots he takes are some of the most difficult shots. But he was 45% in that, in that playoff series. It was a weird 55% or 45 or 45%, excuse me. He shoot, he's 55% during the regular season. The weird 45%. He had a great game one, a great game five, or game four. Other than that, it was kind of a weird. He, 12 of 31 in game three was bad. 10 of 27 in game two was bad. But it's really unfair to put the blame on Monty Williams, which is kind of what's happening. I thought Monty Williams had a great team this year, and you traded away he depth. You traded away Michael Bridges. You traded away Cam Johnson, who are obviously you saw it in the first round, even though the Nets were horrible. You saw how good they were. And they just lost that. And their bench just didn't step up and contribute. And I guess part of that is due to not the right lineups by Monty Williams, not playing the right guys. Part of that obviously is, but some of them just they weren't good enough. And game six campaign was great. Obviously, you're going to look at Chris Paul was out. Chris Paul doesn't mean that much to this team, in my opinion. I think he's one of the more overrated players in the league as of now. Not saying that his whole career, but as of now, he just doesn't give you a ton. I mean, you're getting around 10 points and hopefully seven, eight assists. So uh, That wasn't the biggest thing. DeAndre Ayton is going to get a lot of heat, and I, I understand why he wasn't great. But he also did what he kind of could. I mean, he shot 57% from the field. He averaged 10 and 8. I mean, I know this guy wants a max contract, and that's not going to happen, but he did fairly well, especially considering he didn't play a lot of second halves in the series. I mean, there's a couple first halves where he were do- he was dominant in some of the first halves. And then they just pulled him, and it was kind of weird. And I-, I didn't understand that. And I understand why there's a lot of friction in the organization around him, and I would be absolutely shocked. Shocked out of my mind if he returns and plays for the Phoenix Suns next year. I would be shocked. So that's obviously move, and they, they, they have some decisions to make as well. You have to make some moves, and it'll be interesting to see what they do. Obviously... They've got some trade pieces there. They lost a lot of picks. He lost a lot, but you have guys like DeAndre Ayton. You, you don't really want to let him walk away. Interesting move for the Suns. Matt Ishbia and company, James Jones with the front office. They have a decision, obviously, with the head coaching position first, which I disagree with the firing of Monty Williams. But they also have a decision make. What are you going to put around Kevin Durant and Booker? That's going to be a big question for them to answer this offseason. In this Wild West, where the West is so dangerous, Something's got to give. Something's got to give, and, and they have to build around it. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Very interesting to see what they do. But Denver, 
has been fantastic. Nikola Jokic should have been the MVP. Is proving why he should have been the MVP. You have a great matchup, the Lakers versus the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets will win in six games. They were just a better team. And I think that if Denver really wants to win this game with a series, they need to keep doing what they've been doing, and that's spreading the ball around. Because they have some matchups that's going to be very interesting for the Lakers. That's one of the most exciting things I'm ready to talk about, especially after game one and two, is what does Darvin Ham decide to counter this Denver Nuggets starting lineup with? He's got a lot of options. You've seen a couple different starting lineups. Vanderbilt has struggled offensively, but I think you're going to need his length. D'Angelo Russell is going to have to guard somebody. There, Austin Reed, it's, it's, it's weird. It'll be interesting what Darvin Ham chooses to do. It's with that starting lineup. All five of them are a threat, a big threat. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. could score 30 at any given time. So can Aaron Gordon. So can Malik, uh, not Malik Monk, uh, KCP, Davies Caldwell Pope. Obviously, then with Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Lakers line up and how they match up. That's why I really think the Nuggets, and it's very important for the Nuggets, win those first two games. And especially, it would make it even bigger of a deal if the Lakers can steal one of those games. Because they need to feel out this is going to be similar to like a UFC or a boxing match, in my opinion. Especially this series more than any other series. There's going to be so much feeling out with the matchups in this series. Kind of like the Golden State series. How there was some big time feeling out with the matchups. And we saw the obviously big decisions were made. Jermichael Green ended up starting a game. They started Schroeder and Russell together. So uh, it, it's going to be a chess match. So I'm interested to see what's going to be Coach Ham's first chess piece move. And I think part of it has to be obviously forcing Nikola Jokic to play defense, which I think Coach Malone has done a fantastic job of being able to kind of hiding him and saving some of that energy, saving his body. You're not going to be able to save him against Anthony Davis. So if I was the Lakers, I would. This is going to be Anthony Davis' series to prove if he's a top five, top ten player in the league. Go at Nikola Jokic. You have the advantage, offense against defense. Go at him. On the other side, go at Anthony Davis. It's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be a really good chess match. I'm really interested to see what the first moves are made. But I like Denver. I think they're the most complete team. They were my pick to win the title. They're still my pick to win the title. I really think that if the Lakers have a chance to win, they're going to need some of this LeBron James 2018-2016 magic back, which we'll be able to see if he can do that. But really, two exciting series for a couple of different reasons. I'm really, really excited for it. This has been a great NBA postseason. We've been kind of blessed with a lot of great matchups, which I'm very excited about. The other thing that we saw was the UEFA Champions League. Quarterfinals were last week. Manchester City. Oh, well, the first leg of the semifinals were last week. We saw Real Madrid Man City played with a 1-1 draw. Great goals by Vinny. Great goals by Kevin De Bruyne. We'll bring it back to the Etihad. Excuse me. In Manchester, 1-1. I thought it was a good performance for both teams. Uh, it played out kind of similar to what I thought. I thought Man City would really take a lot of that pressure. They tried to, but Real Madrid was great breaking out of it. And you know that's going to be like that when you have guys like Modric and Cruz and Valverde in the middle. Camavinga in that left-back spot has been so crucial. That was an interesting to me. Once again, I think it'll be another feel-out process. R.K. Gundogan has been fantastic, and I think he's a really underrated player. We've seen him, obviously, in the Premier League. He's been fantastic, but 
he kind of makes this whole thing go, especially in the middle. So I feel like we don't talk about him enough. More surprised with Inter Milan. It's 2 nothing victory over Milan. Obviously, Rafael Leao had the injuries, wasn't able to play. Starting lineup just wasn't good. Junior missed some opportunities. Origi missed some opportunities. And now they're in a hole. But that midfield was dominant. And, and, it, and it's been dominant for Inter. With Barella, Mkhitaryan. I mean, they've been fantastic. And that was with Albrosovic, who was able to come off the bench. Kalahaglu was fantastic as well. Dzeko, great goal from Dzeko. Arturo Martinez is moving up there. It's a really interesting game. It'll be interesting to see how Milan push the second leg. I think uh, leaving Rebic on the bench was a huge mistake. I think he needed to be in that starting lineup. They missed some of the quality up front. I think there's no... I don't see a possibility that Inter don't go through. I think Inter has done enough. They've been great. And, and I think Inter is a, ba- a very bad matchup for both City and Madrid. The way they play and the way they dominate the midfield. Going against City and Madrid, it's so important to have a chance in that midfield. And they have that chance in that midfield. Obviously, two big games in Milan, in Manchester, on t- Tuesday and Wednesday. We see Milan on Tuesday. City on Wednesday. It's great to be back. I'm excited to see the NBA. Be, be ready on alert for Instagram and Twitter. I'll be posting a lot more. I will give a little bit of a emergency press conference type of things, things that I see from after each game. I'll try to get uh, get some of those out for you because there's a lot of things, especially when we talk about this chess match, that in the game, it's very important to see. We have Champions League we'll wrap up on. We'll look at the beginning of the NBA. We'll also take a look at the NHL round two matchups. And how they sort out. We have a game seven on Monday night. We'll see if the Stars can defeat the Kraken. Kraken in their second consecutive game seven. See if they can keep it going. Or in their first inaugural postseason. Baseball, we have the dog days of baseball. We'll have a action pack next two to three weeks. Thanks for joining me again on the Case Connelly Podcast. Tuesdays and Fridays. Make sure to follow the Twitter account and the Instagram account at Case Conley Pod. Thanks for another episode, and I will be back on Friday.